Welcome back to a podcast for moms. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Julia Sparkman. So happy to have you here for episode five, The Expansive Nature of Motherhood with Dr. Nikki Samet. Dr. Nikki is an entrepreneur, a coach for high-achieving women working to align themselves in their life and their business. She's the host of the What Nick Knows podcast, and of course, she's a mom. We fit so much into our conversation. We went real deep in under an hour. Nikki shared about the serendipitous events that led to her current offerings and work, which they ha- it has to do with her really cute poodle. It's a, well, it's not just a poodle. It's, I went, I link to him, but he's a, a, some kind of a mixed poodle. Very cute. Anyways, <laughs> getting back to it. Her dog helped her to find her current work, the current offerings that she does. So super cool story. Very serendipitous. Um, she also shares about her unfounded fears around motherhood. I'll let you listen to what those were. She briefly spoke about her birth experience and her experience with postpartum depression and anxiety, and we talk about her doctoral research on social media. She specifically researched the impacts of social media on millennial women, so she shares about that and gives some advice on how to have healthy habits with social media, and we talk about the Facebook group that she started. Her Facebook group is called Becoming Mama and Beyond. And yeah, so we dive pretty deep into all of those things. And the overarching theme of our conversation was the expansive nature of motherhood. So motherhood is expansive, is what Nikki said. And as I re-listened to our conversation, I began to think about how motherhood has expanded me. And as I was reflecting motherhood has truly opened me up to so much self-love and grace. I realized that shortly after Sloan's first birthday, I started to notice that I was thinking things or doing things that had Sloan thought those things or done those things in the future. When she got older, I would have been unhappy. You know, it made me sad that she was feeling a certain way about herself or doing certain things that may not have been in alignment with her highest good. And I started to catch myself anytime I would, you know, have those negative thoughts or do those unhealthy things. And instead I would think of what would I suggest to Sloan or what would I wish that Sloan would do in these situations? And through that, I have been able to approach myself with a similar love and care that I offer to Sloan. And it's definitely a practice and I'm getting a little bit better with it every day. And, and damn, that's, that's expansive to, you know, recognize, you know, I'm, I'm offering myself that loving mothering energy that I'm also giving to her. And that is, wow, that's expansive. So a big thanks to Nikki for helping me to, you know, take a moment to pause and and recognize that. And I would love for you to share, you know, on social media or however you'd like to reach out how motherhood has expanded you. In the meantime, I linked Nikki's website, Instagram accounts, you know, both hers and her dogs, her podcast, What Nick Knows, and her Facebook group, Becoming Mama and Beyond. So all that's in the show notes. 
definitely check those out. And now I invite you to enjoy my amazing conversation with Dr. Nikki. Hey, Nikki, welcome to a podcast for moms. Thank you so much for joining today. How, how is life? Well, I just first have to say, Julia, I feel like this is such a long time coming um, of us collaborating and connecting. And I've loved following your journey. And every time that I have read your posts or listened to your shows in the past and things like that, I just have felt like we have so much in common. So I just want to say thank you for having me on the show and for us to connect and this new evolution of our life, which is motherhood. So thank you. And to answer your question, how am I today? I have been so exhausted this entire week. My husband was traveling for work. And so I was solo parenting a bit. And like those days are just, and and we have help. But even with the help, I just find that I'm so depleted. (laughs) But he's back. I had help with bath time last night. So I'm feeling, and I was in bed at 7.30 last night. No joke. We put Jake down. I went to bed. So I'm Uh, feeling much better today. Well, thank you for making space. And I... I have not yet had my husband travel since the pandemic. Like he traveled a lot when Sloan was a real little baby. Mm-hmm. And so in the last, like what, how, I don't even know. I've, like the pandemic has been happening forever now. Yeah. So since lockdown, we've only traveled together. His mm-hmm. work still has like a no flight rule happening still. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I can't, I'm not complaining about that. So. I know. I, I am not enjoying um, him gone now because it, it's definitely increased my anxiety more. I think one, because Jake was born the week before the pandemic. So all mm-hmm. I have known is him here. He has never gone back to work. And now it's not only him going back, it's like him flying across yeah. the country sometimes. And so um, it's definitely been an adjustment. He's now traveled twice. Um, for a couple days and like once he was in Atlanta last week, he was in Phoenix. Um, and it's a very different feeling in the house. I will also say though, I kind of liked it, um, of having some space, um, at night, just being able to like once Jake is down, cause he, he goes right to sleep. And so then I have time for myself, which is really nice. Even though we're on totally opposite schedules, my husband goes to sleep at like eight 30 and I'm like a night owl. So I'm up for a couple hours later. It has been really nice though, to have some space for myself. Um, those couple, those couple nights that we've had, and would I prefer him home? A hundred percent. So um, I guess we'll, we'll chat about this. So my husband just got a job promotion and mm-hmm. part of the job is that he'll be traveling to that corporate headquarters once a week, um, every month. And we decided as a family that us um, moving actually to where the headquarters would be, would be better because him traveling as what we're talking about, how, liking having him, him at home is better for us. So we're all just going to go. <laughs> Yeah. We're all moving. Yeah. That's super exciting. Yeah. I wanted to share that we know each other from yoga days. So mm-hmm. I believe I've, I met you shortly after I moved to California. So that would have been about seven years ago. And so we met back then in mm-hmm. the yoga studio, which I feel like still I haven't taught now in over two years and have been out of full-time yoga for quite some time, but still Mm -hmm. so many of my connections have come from the yoga world. And 
So you, let's hear about your trajectory since so you, I met you, you're a full-time yoga teacher. And mm-hmm. since I met you as a full-time yoga teacher, you have really shifted gears. I mean, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say like really because you're still kind of in the mindfulness, wellness. Mm-hmm. Kind of way. And let's hear about what you've been up to since I first met you and how that might shift a little bit when you move in the coming months. Yeah, I'd absolutely love to do that. And I just want to touch upon, I rem- I was with Kat Sand and we were in the Encinitas office because I was interviewing for your job yes. <laughs> at the time because you were in the midst of a transition um, mm-hmm. or were perhaps transitioning. And I remember you had just taught class and you were walking in with your yoga mat and it was such a, it's, it's just fascinating how the universe provides us with relationships that we didn't even plan for. And now here we are seven years later and who would have thought that? So it's just an amazing, I love looking back on these moments in life and then how they have unfolded later on. So just wanted to add that little uh, memory in there for a second. So I am still in the mindfulness world, but I think that also stems from the fact that I'm a meditator. I'm a transcendental meditator, and I've been a meditator since I was 10 years old. Um, I was introduced to the practice by my parents, who are both teachers of the practice, as well as they wanted them being um, not only teachers for other people, but they wanted me to learn this as well. So it has been within my life uh, since I was a little, little, little kid, and I didn't find my mindfulness practice again until I was going through panic attacks and and anxiety um, when I was 25, uh, 24-ish. And that's actually when I found core power. Mm -hmm. Um, I was at the Huntington Beach location and I decided to just try it. I wore, I kid you not, I wore, remember those um, bikini bottoms that were shorts? Mm -hmm. I I was heard it was hot yoga. So I wore these little bikini shorts and my roommate's Lululemon top. And I had no idea what to expect. And I went to this class and um, I don't know if you remember, or this was in Orange County. So you wouldn't remember this teacher, but her name was Sonia. And we were in the class. It was a 1.5. And I remember in that moment going through not only the movement, but the music and the heat and all of those elements I knew was what I was meant to step into. And during Shavasana, I was crying. Like I was like, this is, this is for me. This is what is meant for me, the next step. So that's when my next evolution of mindfulness came in with the, with the practice of meditation, which I had been on and off with because I hadn't found like a commitment to it. So I found it within core power and it was teaching yoga for many years and I loved it. And then I honestly, I burnt out from it. Um, I didn't, the practice of yoga was no longer as magical once I had been on the other side mm-hmm. of teaching as well as teacher training. I, I honestly uh, was ready to up level to something else over time. Um, so I left corporate, I left teaching yoga in 2018, 2019, I want to say. And what I've been doing ever since, I got a master's degree in leadership development because what I kept finding was that there was such dysfunction in uh, companies and especially between leaders and employees, lack of communication, lots of confusion in regards to um, what was expected. And there was just a lot of dysfunction for lack of a better word. So I went to go get my master's in that with thinking that I was become an executive coach. And while I was in that process, I realized I wanted more and both my parents are psychologists. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to bite the bullet and follow in their footsteps 
and get my doctorate in clinical psychology. While I was in that process, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna so I'm gonna be a therapist. That's what I meant to do. I'm gonna be a therapist. And while that happened, uh, in 2017, I got a dog, and his name is Pax, and he became much more than just a dog to me. He became literally my purpose and my directional point. And being a mindfulness and a spiritual person, listening to my intuition was a really important piece for me. And so I was in my doctorate program. I had gotten this dog. And I started taking pictures of him for fun. So I was just taking pictures for fun and writing funny commentary and his Instagram account began to just grow. All of a sudden it said 10K, 20K, 30K and all the way up to 70,000 followers with not really the intention of that ever happening. But through that, people started to come to me for coaching and they wanted help in growing their own social media accounts. And so that's where it started. I was coaching dog influencers how to grow social media accounts. And then the interesting thing happened is that the women behind the accounts actually wanted more. They wanted to either grow a brand, they wanted to grow a business. And then even more so was the limiting beliefs and the mindset struggles with showing up online of what that looked like, that they wanted to be authentic, but then they were comparing themselves to other people. And so my business, it evolved into being both a mindset and a business coach for a high-performing, high-achieving women. And so now what my business is, is I support high-achieving women, as I just said, in multiple functions. I have corporate clients who are trying to climb the corporate ladder. I have corporate clients that are just trying to manage the day-to-day. I have entrepreneurs who are trying to grow online businesses, and I help them with mindset, with business strategy. And then I also have a group coaching program called Confident Coach Accelerator, where I help online coaches start, scale, and manage their coaching business with using some of the Instagram uh, tactics that I gained from Pax the Dude. But I'm also really supporting people exploring other avenues of growing businesses than just social media. And I'm sure we can talk about social media later because you know my interest in that. Um, But that's what I'm up to. So am I still supporting people through a mindfulness practice? Absolutely. I think it's the foundation of what I do. Um, It's the baseline of how I coach. It's my philosophy. Um, But it maybe it doesn't manifest in the same way it did when I was a yoga teacher. Little less sweat, I'm assuming. Little now. less. I mean, it depends on the day. Some days I'm sweating a little more. Yeah, <laughs> a little less sweat, and I and packs the dude. That is your dog. That's your dog's Instagram. So I'm definitely gonna link to that because he is super cute. So cute. what a fun, cute way to you know shift gears in your life and your business. And yeah, well, we're, I want to pause talking about social media. So as Nikki mentioned, she was getting her doctorate as she started to, you know, develop this large account for her very fluffy doggy. And, um, she studied, I'm gonna let you talk about it, but the impact of social media on millennial women. So we will get to that. However, I want to kind of stay in the groove of, you know, transitions because Mm -hmm. Nikki and I, we got to reconnect about a month ago. 
maybe it was a little over a month ago on zoom now. And I think we had initially scheduled like maybe a half hour, an hour call. And we almost talked for like two hours mm-hmm. that day. Cause it was just, I was like, we were like, we should have recorded this. You know, we mm-hmm. had such an amazing conversation. And during that conversation, you shared with me that prior to becoming a mom, you were slightly concerned about becoming a mom because you were, you had fears about how it was going to impact your business because right before you entered into motherhood, your business was just exploding and taking off. And so can you speak a little bit to that, you know, like how you entered motherhood and the fears that you had around being an entrepreneurial woman who Mm -hmm. was entering motherhood? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to first say that I had the same fears about getting a dog. And the re- I'm going to say this for a reason. So don't, it's a really interesting parallel, but I had the same fears. How is this going to limit me? How is this going to take away from my current life? The responsibility that it's going to add, the, the lack of travel. I mean, just everything. It felt like uh, a scarcity. It felt, felt like a limitation. And who would have thought that that dog was going to expand me more than anything that I could have ever imagined, that it grew my business, that it was the reason I was able to quit my corporate job. I would have had no idea. So I went into it with very similar fears and then it ended up being an unbelievably uh, important blossoming experience in my life. So with motherhood, I had very similar thoughts. How is this going to limit me? I found myself comparing a lot to my partner, my spouse. I found that um, he wasn't going to have to go through the same things that I was going to have. And I kept seeing is what what am I going to have to give up? What am I going to have to stop doing? Um, How is this going to impact me, my mind, my body, my life, anything that I want to do? Because I also know my personality it's like I'm a full in type of person. And like even my son, he's going through um, occupational therapy right now. Like I'm on the floor with them during occupational therapy while my husband's in his office finishing work. And so like, I'm like all in and it's really important for me to, to do that. So I knew that I was going to have to quote unquote give things up. So I'll never forget. Um, I was induced at 40 weeks uh, pregnant. I went to my, literally, I went to my 40 weeks visit and I had um, all the signs for preeclampsia and I'd been kind of, it'd been kind of looming there for several weeks prior, but my doctor at 40 weeks was like, you're done. No more. So I, I, my whole birth plan didn't go. (laughs) We all say that, right? My whole, my whole plan of baking cupcakes for nurses and laboring at home in my bathtub, none of that stuff happened. Um, Ended up getting induced, and um, as I was like not, I had dilated, but I wasn't progressing in the way. Twenty eight hours later, I was being wheeled in for my C section, and as I was being wheeled through the corridor. The white walls were by me. I remember turning to these nurses and I kept asking all of these nurses, like, what was it like to become a mom? What was that feeling like? I wasn't nervous about the surgery. I wasn't nervous about the physical pain. I was so so caught up with how this identity shift was going to change me because I knew my life was about to change. It was such a, uh, I was so aware of that moment and I'll never forget being in, I don't remember a ton of that stuff, but I do remember everything's about to shift. So then Jake was born and, um, you know, pandemics happen. (laughs) Um, and it, 
once again, was beyond expansive. It, it turned into more than I could have ever expected it to be. And so it's this continual lesson of like, we create these stories in our head, but they're not actually what comes to fruition. Sometimes they can be, um, but at the same time, like it was, I feel like I found I found more comfortable. I found, even though I have a different body shape and composition at this time, feel more comfortable in my skin. I feel like I have more of a voice. Like I can speak more assertively and more confidently. I don't care as much what other people think because I am a mom. Like I am somebody's mom. I'm his voice. So I have to learn how to use that. I've been able to prioritize things differently. Like I have my value buckets and it's easy for me to be like, that doesn't fucking matter anymore. This matters. Like before I was like, I want to do all the things. And now it's like, no, I don't want to do that. So I just, I was so concerned that it was going to limit me. And there are days, Julia, that motherhood does take priority and it it can be frustrating. Um, Just this morning, um, my, before our nanny got here, Jared is having these amazing conversations about leadership and culture in his office. I can hear him. And Jake had a blowout out of his diaper that all the poop also ended up on the floor. Mm-hmm. And it's 8.54 a.m. right before the nanny gets here. And I'm hearing him have this conversation and I'm cleaning up poop on the ground. And it's a real, like a life thing. Like it's frustrating for me sometimes that I can't do all the things I want to do. It is. And then there have to, I have also realize like I want to be on the floor with him not the poop floor but I want to be on the floor with him with the OT and be involved in this stuff because it also really matters to me too so I know that was a really long answer um but that's I just I think what I want to make really clear is that I still battle with it it's not like I'm like oh it's so great every day I still have like I still teeter with it being the the balance between limiting and expansive. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I have a question. Feel free to yeah. answer it or not. I think we're in similar situations. Whereas, I mean, I shared on my solo episode that I didn't have anything to go back to. So I waited a really long time. This is the first project I've done. And my daughter is going to be two at the end of next month. Whereas you had things that you were really excited to jump back into after your son was born. So that looked different. However, I think one similarity that you and I share is that our husband's jobs are what keep the lifestyle that we have happening. And so in a way, yes, I think I haven't met your husband, although maybe in passing at one Mm -hmm. point in time at a core power event. Aside from that though, you, it seems that what I'm trying to say is your husband seems incredibly supportive of you from what mm-hmm. I see and what mm-hmm. you share. Mm-hmm. My husband is as well. At the mm-hmm. same time though, I have to take a backseat to his job. My job has, my, anything mm-hmm. that I do has to take a backseat because it is his job that drives mm-hmm. my life forward. Yeah. Have you experienced that where if there's like a conflict in schedules, it's your schedule that gets kind of backburn to have to take care of Jake and how do you manage that? A hundred percent. Yes. This year has been the most uh, different though. And I will say a couple of reasons why. One, so I started making real money in my business and Mm -hmm. doing well. And so I have work where, and besides the money though, I really took it seriously this year. 
Whereas in the past, I was not saying no as much. I was um, just allowing kind of anything that came on board to me to take on. This year, because my business really became a business um, in the sense where I felt like that was like contributing and, and so forth, I feel like there's a little more balance to that now. However, now that I think about it, if the pandemic hadn't happened and Jared wasn't at home, I don't think I think I don't think that would be the case. The fact that he can like randomly run in and like help me with the baby randomly. And now that he's in this new role, there's a little it's it's, it's a little bit different. But within his sales role, like there was no there was like it was it's so structured there and like there just wasn't availability for that. But to come back coming back to your question, it is me. I take the brunt of it. Like I take Jake to certain things. I have to move things around. His therapies that he's in right now are all on my schedule. He'll, Jared will pop in and out and like say hello, but like I'm there for the hour and a half. Like I, I'm there for the whole time. I'm involved with all these things. I'm as we're planning on moving, like I'm responsible for taking care of getting that all that happening. That's the motherhood mental load. Mm-hmm. He is an amazing dad and a supportive partner. There's I I really feel as if we co-parent. What I find though is his acts are more visible than mine. So Jared does all the grocery shopping and he does cook every meal, like every dinner that's visible, right? He's not scheduling doctor's appointments or he's not researching the occupational therapy in Atlanta. Like he's not doing the behind the scenes stuff or he doesn't have the running list of things that I have on my plate. So how do I manage it? Um, it's not always graceful. Like even this morning, I said to him that I'm jealous, that I'm envious, that you're having these really cool conversations and I'm um, like cleaning up poop. And he was like, aren't you recording podcasts in about an hour? And I'm like, yeah, but still. <laughs> and so um, what you said about Alex and him being, you know, the reason why your life is is moving in the direction that it is and the, that you have the opportunity to do your podcast and to do passion projects and to potentially grow this to whatever you want it to be that sticks in my mind a lot with Jared like the fact that I not only have a, a the financial support but the emotional support the like he's not when it wasn't a serious business he still took it seriously mm-hmm. so it's coming back to that it's a lot of communication between us it's still sharing responsibilities of things that he can do and me also appreciating those things. So like him going to the grocery store, like is me saying thank you rather than like, you're not doing enough is like reminding myself, like he does do things for our family. Um, but it's also me taking myself seriously too, like making this a priority, not staying downstairs when they're playing and me choosing to go upstairs and like go do research that I need to do or go finish that podcast anything that I need to do it's choosing that as well definitely and this is going to be like an entirely different podcast that I will maybe do by myself but it is an interesting like I'm incredibly grateful for the support that I have from my husband I know that it's a privilege when we entered our relationship it wasn't it we were in very different circumstances but it does. I know that we're both like very progressive feminist mm-hmm. women. And so 
falling into those traditional yeah. you know, that's a, it's just a interesting place. And then I know with you, so we talked about your business. It's had tons of growth. Um, one thing that you said to me when we had that zoom conversation a month, two months ago was that motherhood is expansive. And I actually wrote that down because I wanted to make sure that we touched upon that at the same time though, you and I have both struggled with postpartum anxiety and depression. Yep. So I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about that too. And I also wanted to touch on that with all the things that you're doing because your life has accelerated and expanded so much and it's continuing to do so as a mom, you've also had this other thing happening and it's so much more than a thing. You know, you've had like a real mental health um challenge obstacle that you've been facing as you've been continuing to put out podcasts, coach clients, you know, mm-hmm. in relationship with your husband, be an incredible mother to your son. Um, when did your postpartum anxiety and depression first show up and how have you been navigating it over yeah. your, your son is about, a he's year six, and a half. he's always almost 17 months. Okay. Yeah. So a little less than a year and a half. Yeah. Um, well first it's actually, you mentioned earlier, it's like, coming to finding something for yourself. Um, I did some research and found that women mothers, let me be more specific here, mothers who give birth and um, they are obviously, let me start over Julia. Um, So I did some research and found, I, I was really looking into the causes and the symptoms of PPD and, and interesting facts about it. And one big piece was a lack of identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first gave birth, I didn't have like, cause I'd left, I was, um, I was doing consulting work for about 20 hours. And then I was doing my own coaching business for the remainder of the time. It wasn't a 40 hour. This is prior to giving birth to Jake. Um, I wasn't working 40 hours a week. It was probably more like 30. I probably had like 10 of my own hours and then like 20 of me consulting at a company doing social media consulting. And I decided that instead of like doing maternity leave with that company, I was just going to leave, have Jake, and then I was going to decide what was next for me, which looking back was really tough because I think it also aided in my PPD as I wasn't sure what to focus on. Yes, I had had a coaching business. Yes, I had a podcast. Yes, I had these things, but a lot of stuff was still in formulation. Um, I wasn't fully clear on who I wanted to serve. I had, I had a lot of different kinds of coaching clients, but nothing was like cemented where I knew that I could step right back into it. It's not like it is today. Like when I have my second child, I'll be in a different situation because I know what I'm doing. Then I did not. So um, six months postpartum, I started noticing August, I want to say, um, so I was about five months and then into September, six months postpartum, a major change in mood. Um, I have, I have a history of anxiety and depression. I also have, um, uh, PMDD. So a little more severe case of PMS that I was diagnosed when I was a teenager. And so I already knew that PPD was like, could be in my trajectory. I already was familiar with that but I wasn't prepared for it to hit because the first six months of my postpartum, although it was so hard and challenging, I felt pretty good. Like I was in great Mm -hmm. spirits. I felt actually pretty good. Then there was a major shift 
And I remember this because in the past, when I've had these episodes of anxiety or depression, I've been able to really be still be functional and I've been able to push through and I've been able to get out of the gray clouds. This time I could not shake it. It was like a constant fog, constant irritability, constant depressed thoughts. Um, Nothing ever with Jake, it was all me. It's like, I know everybody's stuff manifests differently, but for, it, for me, it was never like my life. It was more so my life would be better if I wasn't in it. And like, I'm just a constant burden. There's always something wrong with me. I can't get it together. Why am I so upset all the time? And um, I started having suicidal uh, thoughts. And it wasn't, there were nothing meaningful in the sense, like, I'm going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. It was more so, like, I saw myself hanging in my closet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw some, like, really powerful images of me not living. And the night that I I saw that image, um, I woke Jared up. And I was like, because he, he kept kind of trying to probe at me for several weeks, like, what's going on? Like, how are you? And he... Luckily, like he had been very um, educated, not very educated, but he had known that this could be something that has happened. And so I woke him up and he was already awake, which was interesting. And I was like, I think something's wrong. Like, I think something I've never gone this deep, never gone this far. And he was like, I know, like, I know something's up. And he was really scared. Um, and we talked about it. And the next day I started looking for perinatal therapists. Um, cause I just, I, I had planned on having a team, but then postpartum or uh, the pandemic happened. And I'm like, you know, you lost touch of things that were going to be part of your postpartum experience. So I started looking for therapists immediately the next day. I couldn't even meet with a perinatal therapist for a month because she had no openings. So, but at least it was hopeful that the something was happening. I battled with it for another month. I finally got to talk with her. And, um, things started to shift and I did not go on medication at the time, but things started to shift. I think just talking to somebody was really helpful. And then I also decided to start working again. I wasn't making any money. I think, I, I think I had one client at the time actually. So I, I was working with one client. I started to get back into some of my things. I just started and that helped. I also started exercising again. That helped. Um, then kind of, I went back to feeling great. And then 13 months postpartum hit. I had just weaned off breastfeeding. Um, I think it was another hormonal shift. And I fell back into similar patterns of me being six months postpartum, had very similar thoughts. I had stopped working with that therapist. I found a different therapist. And I actually, within the last month, I started Lexapro. Um, mm-hmm. And I have seen an um, insane difference in myself with just four weeks of Lexapro has been unbelievable. I'm like, why the hell did I wait so long? Even though I know how powerful medication can be, there's just still such a stigma. So that was such a long answer, Julia. I apologize. Um, but that's kind of my journey is it's an ever, uh, I fight it every day. I really do. And I don't do it alone. So I still have a therapist that I see every two weeks. He focuses actually a lot on, he is a meditator himself. So we do a lot of, uh, I would say it's more alternative 
type of work as well as talk therapy. And we do some EMDR to to um, support my anxiety. And then I have support from um, Lexapro, which I am really grateful for. And then um, my family that can give me and my a really couple really good girlfriends who have battled as well. Um, it's a daily practice. And oh, my, my meditation practice is something that I do every single day in the morning, 20 minutes in the morning. It's I practice TM. That's what's helped me stay the course of doing my business. Plus I'm doing what I love. So that gives me energy. First, I want to say thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably because Mm -hmm. I know it's not always easy to put everything out there. And so thank you for putting it out there and, and sharing your experience. I think it's so important to highlight other women's experiences with postpartum, particularly I, prior to having a baby, I thought like, oh, baby blues. It happens right after the baby's Mm -hmm. born. I was unaware of how long after the baby's born that some of these um, experiences can onset. So I think Mm -hmm. that so helpful for other women to share what their experiences have been like. And that it can happen. Like I've heard with several women with weaning, you know, you can have another onset. Like I've heard with some women, no problem. Other women, it's almost more challenging than, Mm -hmm. you know, anything that happened post-birth because of the hormonal shift. Mm. So I'm really grateful that you share that. I'm grateful that you share that you're on medication because I know Mm -hmm. that that can be really helpful for not just women, but men, you know, anyone who needs the support. So thank you for sharing that. And I first learned about your experience with postpartum anxiety and depression through the Facebook group that you have mm-hmm. that you created and it's um becoming mama and beyond that's mm-hmm. the title correct mm-hmm. so um I wanted to highlight one post and I'm going to try to find that post I'm like can you link directly to a post I think you can link yeah. directly yeah okay uh-huh. so I'm going to link directly to that post too but what I really appreciated about the post that you shared in there was you posted a photo of yourself on vacation with your family and you said that like this looks like such a happy picture however like I'm really struggling in this photo and Mm -hmm. I just thought that was so important to point out and to to bring voice to because and we'll talk about this later too and I mean maybe we can just go right into it now because I do have other things I want to ask but it might be a good fit to just jump right into your research I, as an early mom struggling with postpartum depression and anxiety, would look at other women and be like, how is it possible what they're doing? Like, how are Mm -hmm. they that dressed all of the time? How Mm -hmm. are they that carefree and happy all of the time? And when I looked at when if I would have seen that photo of you and then not have had the context that you provided later on, I would have been like, oh, wow, look at Nikki. She's thriving in motherhood mm-hmm. right now. And I, and I want to say, you probably were thriving to mm-hmm. a degree, right? Mm-hmm. Because with motherhood, we have this duality. It's not mm-hmm. this or that. It's this and that that's happening. Mm-hmm. Like the greatest moment of your life and the most challenging moment of your life happening at the exact same time. So mm-hmm. let's talk about becoming mama and beyond. And then maybe you can just like parlay that right into your research because you did start an online social media community and mm-hmm. have researched the impacts of social media on millennial women. So let's, let's hear about it. 
I mean, it's so funny you say duality because like I the experience I have with social media. It's like this dual thing that I hate and I love at the same time. Like I love because of the community and I hate for the mental health impact that we can go into in just a second. So um, this group, the Becoming Mom and Beyond was for moms who were at um, Soul of Yoga and Encinitas. There's a prenatal yoga um, class and all the moms would connect. And then what would happen is that people would have babies and no longer have support. <laughs> it was the most amazing class ever. We all became really close, but then nobody would have support. There was no way to stay connected. So I just started a Facebook group for these women specifically to stay together. Um, that was January 2020. And then in May 2020, with COVID um, and lack of resources like lactation consultants or postpartum doulas or anything that people needed access to, it was super hard to get or to learn or to have support. And so I, and mom groups for that matter, right? Like stroller strides, all this stuff that we all had expected to have was then just gone. So I opened the group up to outside of soul of yoga. And I had, I, it was still invite only. It's still private. I want to keep it. I'm not trying to keep it exclusive. I'm just trying to keep it um, really intentful and have mothers who are there to support other mothers. I don't want it to be like a nonsense type of thing. I want it to be really supportive space for people to feel that they can share if they, they needed support. So it's still like that. But in May, I was like, invite whoever you want that you believe would benefit from this group. So one by one, they just kept coming and it just started to expand um, and grow. And then at that point, I was offering postpartum circles. So I was leading because similarly to what we had at Soul of Yoga, we would meet as in a circle before class and we would talk about where we were in our pregnancy, how the, we were feeling, what was going on. And so we got to know each other. So we, I kept those circles going and facilitated those for women to share and get questions and have each other. We did that via Zoom. Um, then I found experts in specific fields like um, prenatal or postnatal fitness, um, an RN nurse. I found other people who were experts in different things to provide education to these moms. So they had support, which is, this is also when my podcast shifted as well to bring in these uh, professionals onto the show to provide what I call infotainment. So it's like really interesting information that is also entertaining. Um, so to give these moms resources, um, the group right now, um, it's just under 450 women. Um, it is something that I have hopes to expand into something bigger in the future. Um, I'm still figuring out what that means. I'm, I am actually, I have a new business partner. We're focusing on um, a postpartum course. Maybe you and I should talk about that too, Julia. Um, we're focusing on a postpartum course, uh, which is not, it's still in the beginning stages of formulation. So that is becoming mama and beyond there and it's also a space to help cut through the noise of social media because as we just discussed there's a lot going on there's a lot of misinformation out there so and there's also a lot of um lack of reality i guess i could say for lack of better words so to that point to go into a little bit about my doctoral research so i did study how social media impacts millennial women because I, I mentioned earlier to you i have this love-hate relationship with social media and um, one of the reasons I love it is because of the community that was just created and the moms. And like when I see them helping each other 
and like supporting each other through comments, it's amazing. It's like, I like sometimes I'm crying. I'm like, that's exactly what I actually just saw two moms from the group. They're in Tahoe together. They had met through this group. So like, that is the reason why it's here. So that's why I love social media. But the reason why I studied what I studied is because the opposite experience. Um, I will make this as quick as possible, but I do have to tell the back end of how this came to be. Um, In 2016, I was in graduate school and my husband and I had been just married for a year. We were about to go off to Thailand for our one year anniversary. And um, I was sitting in the driveway. I'd just gone home from finals and I went to go like take a selfie of myself to like put on social media and to celebrate that I was grad or that I had gotten straight A's. And every picture that I chose, um, none of it was, I got, none of it was good enough. And I kept comparing. And then I also felt like it was really boastful. So I didn't want to post anything. And then instead of posting anything, I just started scrolling. And as I was scrolling through the photos, I was like, I felt sort of worse about myself. People were already buying houses. They were already having kids. I didn't even want kids in 2016. I, like, I wasn't ready. But people were having kids, they were getting promotions. And all of a sudden, my accomplishments felt so small. And that other people were doing more than me. So I went upstairs and I asked Jared, I was like, do you ever feel like social media steals from your happiness? Do you ever compare to the people online? He was like, no, not really. So then I started wondering, is this a gender thing? Are more women uh, more impacted by social media than men? So I asked around to some friends and I said, you know, how do you feel about social media? And I got a wide range of answers. So I decided to study um, 75 millennial women here in the U.S. So millennials, what that would be is, you know, at that time, it was like 18 to 38. I pretty much got, I think I had 21 was my youngest and 38 was my oldest. And 87% of my participants responded that uh, social media has impacted their health, mental health in some way, shape or form, whether that's increased anxiety, depression, fear of missing out. Um, with uh, um, comparison, both life, body, image, all those types of things. So 87% said yes. The thing that really was fascinating to me, though, is I thought that it was going to negatively impact people by a landslide. It didn't. And it what I found, which I'd like to study even more, is that it really depends on two things. Where someone is in life their fulfillment of life. So a marital status, career status, identity, things like that. Are they doing the things they thought they'd be doing at that time of their life? And secondly is where are they that day and that hour? So I'm sure there are days where you are like on top of the world. And as you scroll through, you're not as impacted as other days where you're feeling like a little bit more glum. So depending on where people are, it can really impact them. So what I make sure to teach is to own your tech and not let your tech own you and to do a self-reflection of before you get online, where are you? What is your why of getting on this thing? What is your intention? If your intention is I just want to laugh at reels and just be mindless, know that about yourself. And when you start to teeter, you got to get off. Two things on this is the brain is unable to distinguish what is real and what is not. So after viewing these 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 visual um, images, the brain starts to believe, okay, I'm supposed to have a white kitchen, a hot body. I'm supposed to have three kids that all wear matching outfits. That is what the standard is. When that is not 
reality, right? That is not actual reality. So, but the brain doesn't know the difference. The second thing on that is that there's a real dopamine impact with using these tools. So as you're scrolling, you're getting hit after hit after hit after hit. And when you go back to real life, you're not getting hit after hit after hit after hit. Real life is hard. It's boring. It's not sexy. So we go back to Instagram or Facebook or whatever you're using to get more of that feeling, which then we find that our time has just been wasted or we're starting to feel a lot of emotional effects and dysregulation. So it's really being aware of how the tool impacts us. Um, I try to set really strong boundaries um, of it. Um, I don't follow accounts that I find myself comparing. Um, I don't, um, I don't spend a lot of time on it, even on my business anymore. I, I chosen to, to build my client base outside of Instagram because of how negatively it was impacting me. When I find myself consuming over creating, I put myself on a timeout. So I, I really try to create boundaries around it and make sure that its intention is to be with what becoming mama and beyond is to serve others, to connect with others, to um, bring light to issues and to provide a platform for people to speak their mind. Yeah. And I loved what you said about checking in with yourself prior to going on and also day to day. Like, yeah, there are some days where not feeling as good as others, where there's other days where I'm like, I'm going on there and I'm like, high five. Like, yeah, like you are accelerating in your life. And I can be really excited seeing other people thrive mm-hmm. and then those days that I'm feeling low and I go on and I see everyone's highlight reel and it makes me feel worse. And yep. so that's such a good takeaway of being mindful and maybe on the days where you're feeling a little down to just avoid it or to go into those resources like Becoming Mama and Beyond or the other types of accounts that are more serving to you. I actually Mm -hmm. have a friend who has an account that she doesn't post on. It's just like a, almost like a dummy account and she only follows inspirational. Yes. Yeah. And so it's like when she wants, I mean, it's, it's true. It's checking out. Like we often go on there to check out. And so we have to like check in a little bit before we check out, but it's like, at least at the times where she just wants a little bit of mindlessness, Uh she has that she can go to and it's curated in a way where she's only seeing the really positive uplifting real life messages you know not just Mm -hmm. like white I don't want to say like spiritually bypassing you know it's not just like I almost said whitewashing you know that it's not Uh just but it's it's pure content that's not just like people filtered up the butt literally filtered yeah Um, you know it's it's so yeah intentionality I love that and I well, just that. to that point, I just had I just recorded stuff with someone who we talk about social media, and she curates her account so it's all different types of people, so different voices, different thought patterns, different um, genders, races, religions, so that the algorithm feeds to her having diversity as well. So I thought that, I was like, that's really smart. Like, yeah. you know, we're training ourselves to see the stuff that only makes us feel good. We also need to be introduced to other schools of thought so we can continue to find progression within life, right? I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it too. And I know that you have a client call coming up, which I love because I know that that's going to give you life and it's giving you purpose. So to wrap everything today, what 
what's maybe one message you want to leave the listeners with and how, if someone is interested in working with you in a coaching capacity, um, what are some things that you can share about that for next steps in terms of how to get in touch with you and um, what you're currently offering? Yeah. So I'll start with the easier one because the last words is always such a big question, right? Um, But the first part is, is I am offering one-on-one coaching right now. I do work with high achieving women who are trying to align themselves both in Liz in Lisbon, in business and in life. I was actually pairing those together, Lisbon, Lisbonness. Anyways, um, life and business. And um, I only take on a certain amount of clients every couple months. And my packages range from four to six months at a time. And we meet every other, every other week. Um, that is available currently. My group coaching program, I am not relaunching it in the same way that I have run it in the past. I'm going to be selling my course as a standalone. And then coaching can be an add-on if someone is interested. Um, you can get in contact with me on Instagram at dr underscore Nikki PhD or my email Nikki and I K K I at leader of the packs um, We can do a free discovery call. Those are an hour of time for us to connect, see if it's a good fit, teach you my philosophy and introduce you to coaching in every which way. So there's that. And then my last words. Um, it's actually, it's, it's going to be a couple things. Um, one is the biggest lesson that I've learned with um, kind of life, I would say in general, is um, to stop pushing for things, like allow things to unfold because they're already unfolding. But we're so, we want to get there. We want to be there. We want the thing. But I found that when I'm present, I'm really enjoying what's currently being handed to me, one. Um, and that's the second part is like following your intuition. Like whatever is coming to you at this time is, is the direction to follow. That is, it's the path of least resistance. What is coming to you and allow that to be your guide. So if you're, let's say someone listening to this is a, is a mom who is, is wanting to step away from um, maybe corporate work and is wanting to do motherhood as work. I mean, motherhood's always work, but putting motherhood on their resume right now. Um, that is listen to yourself. If it's you're wanting, you're craving a passion project, um, follow your interests and allow that to be your guide rather than feeling like you have to do things. Things will unfold as they're supposed to. So you're listening to your inner wisdom and your intuition. Um, is really, really important. And then the last words is that um, motherhood is expansive. There are hours and minutes and moments that are tough and hard, um, but it brings so much more than it takes away. Um, And it also is a mindset that you have to adopt and how to look at that. And that takes real self-work and a relationship with yourself in order to view things like that. So motherhood is expansive. It makes everything else in your life better in the sense of your relationship uh, with yourself, with your partner, if you have one, um, with your work, um, even if it's at a corporate job, even, even as an entrepreneur, because it's teaching you life lessons every single day if you're willing to look. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. I'll be so excited to share as things unfold for you and what comes next. And 
we will definitely be finding our way back to each other as we always do. Cause we always, yeah. Do. Like you on my, you on my show. So yes, this path will continue to um, cross. Thank you so much for having me, Julia. Of course. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share this episode with your friends and you can help us grow by subscribing, rating, and reviewing a podcast for moms on your favorite podcasting platforms. I'd love to connect with you. Feel free to direct message me on Instagram at a podcast for moms or send me an email, a podcast for moms at gmail.com. I can't do this alone. Together, though, we are a movement of moms revolutionizing the world through radical motherhood. <laughs>